after I um, I heard the the band practice, I I was like, whew, oh good, they're amazing today. So that's all anyone's gonna remember from the service. No pressure on me. Excellent. Um, if you would, please pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for the beautiful weather, for um, for the way that you provide for us in ways that we don't even necessarily notice. Um, I pray that this morning the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable to your sight. Oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. All right. So I'm going to talk about goodness this morning. Uh, when I saw that I was on tap for the goodness sermon, I have to admit I was a little disappointed because um, goodness, well, I'm going to tell you a little story that will illustrate this. So when I told my husband, Matt, that I was preaching on goodness, um, in our series about the fruits of the spirit, uh, he, he like argued with me for a minute about whether or not goodness was on the list of fruits of the spirit. <laughs> and um, A, Matt is not a combative person. Um, B, Matt was raised in a Southern Baptist church with sword drills and he has memorized large portions of the Bible and is like the grandson, brother, nephew of lifetime missionaries and like, like I think it's, it, it's nothing against Matt. It's a testament to how forgettable the word goodness is in our language that he really honestly thought it was not on the list of fruits of the Spirit. Um, and, you know, it, he's right. Uh, good is like, if you think of a, a scale of one to five, good is never at the top. Good is not five. Good is like a little over meh. Um, good is what you use to describe your unremarkable weekend. Good is... Uh, the runner-up of better and best. Um, so before we talk about cultivating goodness in our lives, I, I think we need to back up a little bit and understand the word goodness a little better and what goodness as a word might have brought to mind um, to those who were in the early church who were, um, you know, reading uh, or hearing uh, letters about goodness as a fruit of the Spirit. So hopefully by the time we're done, you will no longer be unimpressed by the concept of goodness. Um, so we're, I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture. And this is going to be um, slightly participatory. Sorry, not sorry. Um, so when I point to you, you're going to need to say the word. You ready? Okay. And when I said we're taking it back to the beginning, I, I meant we're going to take it back to the beginning. Okay. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good. You're doing great. And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate the water from the water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky, 
And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let the dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was... Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. And the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was? And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years, and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was? God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the sea and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was, and it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the seas and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Y'all did a good job. Um, so the Hebrew word for good in this passage is tov, T-O-V. It's this little word. Um, 
And I'm kind of obsessed with the word tove. Um, I've gone on sort of a deep dive with it this week. It's been my companion. Um, but I think it's worth noting that God didn't call creation okay or not bad or pretty good. God called creation tove, good. So the sky, the ocean, the forest, the animals, all the ways that ecosystems work together perfectly to sustain life, all of this in its completeness is good. Um, and the creation account in Genesis is not the only instance of Tove in the Old Testament. Uh, in Exodus, there's this wild story that I love where Moses asks to see God's glory and God responds that no one can look at his face and live. But, um, but he's like, Moses, I'll hide you in a cave and I will walk past you. And while I'm walking past you, I will cover you up with my hand. And then this is the part that I never realized before. He says, I will let my goodness pass before you. So Moses said, show me your glory. And God says, I will proclaim my goodness. And so he does so, and he, he does the, the trick with the hand, and then he takes the hand away. And so Moses can see like God's back at, as he walks away. Um, so, so God is somehow this, this word, this tove, this goodness, um, is a core component of who God is and is inseparable with God's glory and God's name and God's presence. Um, good tove is all over the Psalms. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days in my life. This is all tove, 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 tove. Um, Prophet Micah, another one of my favorite verses. God has shown you, O people, what is good, what is tove, and what the Lord requires of you, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I'm not going to give all the, the, the uh, examples, don't worry, because tove comes up over 700 times in the Old Testament, um, and it encompasses that like beauty and intricacy and completeness of creation, uh, and like the moral ideals of justice and mercy and generosity and compassion and humility. And it also calls, calls towards uh, God's self, God's nature. Um, so it's not just like I had a good weekend, like this is good, this is a robust good. Um, God is good. Everything about God is good. Everything God does is good. Everything that God created is good. When Jesus came to live on earth, he showed us what goodness looks like in the form of a person. When by the Holy Spirit we grow in Christ's likeness, we become more and more like Jesus, and we are growing in goodness. Now, for some of us who have been Christians for a while, or who have been marinating in Christian culture for a while, um, we might be really uncomfortable using the word good to describe ourselves. Um, you might be thinking, but Meg, Paul says in Romans 7 that there is nothing good in him. Uh, and yes, he does. He talks really passionately and really frustratedly about how his spirit longs to do good, but his flesh keeps on doing evil and ends with that dramatic proclamation, who will save me from this body of death? Uh, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Or perhaps you're thinking about how when you became a Christian, you were told that there is absolutely nothing good in you, that you are wretched and every bit of you needs saving by Jesus, that, that people are utterly just garbage apart from Christ's redeeming work on the cross. And to that, I say yes and amen to our need for Jesus. And I'd like to remind you that when God created you, as we just read, he called you good. And I don't believe that there's anything that you could do that could alter that essential word that God spoke over you. Um, and, and again, I don't know if your parents or your teachers or your religious leaders or your friends called you good. But if anyone, especially if it was someone in the church, gave you cause to doubt your inherent goodness and belovedness as part of God's good creation, I am so sorry. And if this is old news to you, I apologize for the rabbit trail I'm about to take, but I've been listening to all these podcasts and reading these books about churches with toxic cultures, and the thing that I'm noticing over and over again is the dehumanization of people. And, and I think that this dehumanization is sort of the foundational sin for a lot of other egregious things that happen. Um, and it's not just in churches, but, you know, that we're all binge listening to the Mars Hill podcast. And, and I just read a book on Willow Creek, and this just in my brain. Um, anyway, so I see this dehumanization of people who are beloved of God, and it makes me so angry because it goes against everything a people of goodness of Tove should be and I think it grieves the heart of God um, dehumanization in the context of a church could look like pastors who are so hungry for power and prestige that they begin to see the people that God has called them to shepherd as their fan base instead of their flock it might look like ministry leaders who turn a blind eye to abuse in their midst in order to protect their ministry when all ministry means is their own reputation. It might look like people pursuing wealth and power by oppressing others and then calling that wealth and power God's blessing on their life. It could look like a church where people are afraid, afraid to break the rules, afraid to say or do the wrong thing, afraid to ask questions, afraid to fall apart, afraid to tell the truth, afraid to be themselves. But cultures of goodness, of tove, look a lot different. It might look like a community of people treating one another like brothers and sisters, extending compassion and grace and help to each other, of loving each other and not just on their best days, of people telling the truth to one another and doing the hard work of mending relationships when feelings are hurt. It might look like having policies and procedures in place that protect the most vulnerable from harm and places no one outside the reach of oversight and accountability. It might look like having a big old congregational meeting where everyone's invited to celebrate what God is doing in our midst and everyone is invited to participate in that work more fully. I've been doing a lot of thinking about the fruit of goodness and how we might cultivate it in our community and I've been doing this while I've been working in my garden this week. Um, and I had really let my garden go. I don't know if anyone else is like this, but I am a terrible gardener in like, l from like late July to like 
early September, I'm awful. <laughs> I cannot be out in the, in the heat and in the humidity pulling weeds and dealing with stuff. Um, but this week, as soon as the temperatures got, got a little lower and we got a little rain, um, I pulled a mountain of weeds like as tall as I am. Um, and I've been just working and working. And uh, it's, been really, it's been really wonderful and life-giving. And it's also allowed me to think um, about this topic of goodness. Um, and I was reminded about how Jesus tells his disciples that he is the true vine and they are the branches, and that God is the gardener. And it's part of this really lovely, tender discourse in John that happens on their last night together before Jesus is taken into Roman custody. And it's part of all of Jesus's parting thoughts to his friends. Um, And when I think about this passage while I'm pulling weeds, I always think in terms of the translation that I remember reading growing up, which tracks with the, the song that we sang earlier, Um, I am the vine and you are the branches. Anyone who abides in me and I in them will bear much good fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Um, But the term abide, as lovely as it is and as much as as I sang it uh, with gusto earlier, it it can be hard for me to wrap my head around. Um, So I wanted to share with you the message translation of this passage. Um, And I think we have it on a slide, yeah. Um, I am the real vine and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes, and every branch that is grape-bearing he prunes back so it will bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message that I have spoken. Live in me, make your home in me, just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch doesn't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined to me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my father shows who he is. When you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples. So gardening takes work uh, and intentionality on the part of the gardener. And a good gardener does not sleep from, you know, July to August. Um, But a good gardener, uh, you know, amends the soil, pulls up weeds, builds trellises to support climbing plants and fences to protect their plants from hungry creatures. And as this passage states, good gardeners prune their plants. And pruning, when done carefully and thoughtfully, will help a plant redirect its energy towards uh, building strong roots and producing abundant fruit. And Jesus says in this passage that the disciples have already been pruned by the message that he has given them. Now, I love the idea that the words of Jesus, which in our case, come generally through reading scripture, have the power to prune us um, because it resonates really deeply with my experience. There are so many times when I'm distracted and worried about so many things, and the Holy Spirit uses the words of scripture to focus me on what's most important. It does feel like a pruning in a sense, not, not like I just got my arm lopped off, but I feel lighter and freer because my focus has been narrowed and my priorities have been aligned and the unnecessary can just kind of fall away. 
And my focus inevitably uh, leads me back to loving God and loving people, which is the basis of the Christian life. So when I'm able to focus on loving God and loving people, there is this bubbling up of goodness, of tove within me and all around me. So God, our good gardener, uses the words of scripture to move us towards a more rooted and abundant life. But wait, there's more. Um, There's this bit about Jesus as the vine and us as the branches. So think about that for a minute. When we choose to follow Jesus and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and that spirit creates this connection that is just as real and just as vital as the connection that a branch has to the rest of the plant. Life, real, true, abundant life flows from Jesus into me and into you. We're not flowers that have been cut and arranged in a vase. We are living parts of an organism. Your fruitfulness is connected to my fruitfulness. Your joy is connected to my joy. Your suffering is connected to my suffering. And what's more, we are all connected to Jesus. It's just, I I know that some of these words, if you've been in church for a long time, are very basic and very Sunday school, but when you really think about it, it is so mysterious and so wonderful. There's so much potential for shared goodness. Our interconnectedness with each other and with God is really powerful. Um, Culture tends to be contagious in any circumstance, whether it's family culture or workplace culture or community culture. We shape and are shaped by the attitudes and actions of those around us. But I think that church culture might be even more contagious because we're connected not just by shared geography and interests and circumstances, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. That makes both the sweetness and the bitterness even more potent. Like with these toxic church cultures that I mentioned earlier, when people are wounded in and by the church or by people in the church, it has the potential to damage them spiritually and not just emotionally. The harm can be truly profound. And yet this tove goodness has an even greater power because it finds its source in God. When we grow in goodness and that goodness spreads, we're not just doing good things, we're resisting evil. When we choose to respond graciously when we are wronged, we are actively resisting a culture of anger. When we live generously, we are resisting the culture of greed. When we listen to those in our midst who have the least power and prestige, we are resisting a culture that marginalizes and silences. When we serve others, we're resisting a culture of self-promotion. When we rest, we're resisting a culture that values us only for our productivity. And with each choice, each move away from that which is evil and towards that which is good, we are spreading goodness to our families and our neighborhoods and our schools and our workplaces and in our church. So if we are allowing the Holy Spirit to do that good, slow work of producing the fruit of goodness in us, of growing us in Christ's likeness, growing us in Christian maturity, that goodness, that tove, is going to have an impact on those around us. If you come to the congregational meeting today, you'll be able to hear about some of the impacts that you've had just by participating in the life and the mission of Oak Church. When we abide in Jesus and Jesus abides in us, when we allow ourselves to be pruned, the fruit that is produced can nourish entire communities 
and we will find ourselves in a giant garden of Tov. This is how the kingdom of God is spread. And what is the kingdom of God but the reestablishment of the goodness that God proclaimed over everything in the beginning? Please pray with me. God who created the world and called it good, thank you for inviting us into real and vital relationship with you. Thank you for connecting us to you and to one another through the Holy Spirit and the bonds of Christian love. Lead us in all goodness and fruitfulness, and at last when our work is done, let us hear you once again call us good and welcome us home. Amen.